regularly asking the Holy Spirit to do that work, um, it, it, it engages us to participate with it. So um, it's a great prayer. I encourage you to um, get the words, write them down, put them before you somewhere. Um, it makes a difference. Um, we are um, stepping out of Acts just today because it's Mother's Day weekend, and um, Mother's Days are always interesting. I've um, um, successfully passed off the preaching responsibilities on Mother's Day for like four years in a row, and it didn't, it didn't work <laughs> this month, this year. Um, it's kind of a hard one to teach on. You know, if, if you, like, there's only so many moms to teach on in the Bible, and then, um, and then that's helpful, but then sometimes you teach on it and everybody thinks, I guess I'm not like that mom, and I'm no good, and it's, uh, that doesn't always work. And then I thought about, you could teach on, like, the really bad moms in the Bible, because there's some really bad ones in there. And I thought, that's, that's, I don't know if that would work or not either. And then I could just ignore it and just teach, keep going in Acts, which we've done, I think we've done that before, and I guess that's okay, as long as we honor that. But, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, valuable to, to bring honor to it and to talk about it. So we are going to um, do it anyways um, and walk through it. But it's a little bit hard in, that, in the day in that um, even in a room like us, there are, we have all sorts of things that go on in our minds and hearts when we consider um, mothers. Um, there's lots of joy that goes with that. Um, there's hurts that go with it at the same time. There's disappointments and unmet longing and losses and changes and the whole gamut of emotions that come up when we um, if we were to go around and each share about our, our experience with our moms, it would be vastly different. And um, that can bring a, a measure of, like I said, a lot of different thoughts into to Mother's Day. So, um, but we're going to walk into it anyways and, um, and, and look at this word and, and see what the Lord has to say to us in regards to it. So, um, but I'm, as I teach this morning, um, tonight, um, it's for us. The message here is for all of us. Um, it's clearly going to be a passage that's familiar. Um, it's for everybody here. Um, as believers, we celebrate what we, um, what we declare as being good news as a church. Um, the good news of God's word is um, not just good news, but it's actually um, unbelievably good news, and we forget that. Um, in some ways, impossible to believe good news um, because of what's declared as being true concerning what God's done on our behalf. Um, we not only have a hard time grasping sometimes because it's so other worldly, um, but we have a hard time living it out as well. Gospel is more than just being forgiven. Um, the gospel is more than just escape from final judgment, which is what I thought it was when I became a Christian. That was, that was good enough. Um, it's rescue from every judgment for all time. It is being freed, actually, and unleashed into a whole new way of living um, without the weight of guilt. It is being transformed, as we've said before, when we we're in the book of Ephesians, into something beautiful with no weights on us, no bonds on us, um, no accusing fingers being pointed at us anymore. Um, the gospel is, is a life of freedom um, and being unshackled from everything. Um, but our minds um, are not fully transformed yet. And so even though the truth of the scriptures declare us um, free from judgment, um, we buy into a lot of wrong thinking. And the world has a really loud voice concerning its accusing finger that comes towards us. And it's hard not to listen. And it burns into us oftentimes a very different message. And the message is one of condemnation and the one is of not measuring up, which is what we've been freed from. And as I said, that, that hits all of us at certain points, um, depending on kind of how we're, our makeup is, whether we're, we re, uh, take in those messages more than others. So it's for everyone. But I think the message 
the, uh, the false messages of condemnation and not measuring up particularly hit, at least in my home's experience, as I watch my wife and my, my girls, um, seems to hit women and mothers hard. Um, and so I think this is it's particular fitting um, for, for us as we look at Mother's Day. So I've got a list of things here. Um, I took this from a blog that was read, written by somebody a few years ago, so I stole, stole from him, and I've added a few of my own, but um, this person was writing about ways mothers feel condemned, how the mothers can feel condemned um, by the messages of the world. Um, mothers can be hit with lots of feelings of condemnation, so here they are, and I'll walk right through them. Um, mothers often feel condemned by messy homes, Condemned because your kid's feet are dirty. My mom actually thought that was a good thing, but um, not everybody. Um, mothers can feel condemned because they send their kids to public school or to Christian school. Or condemned because they don't homeschool. Or condemned because they do homeschool. Condemned because their kids' lunches are full of Pringles and chocolate chip cookies. Feel condemned because the mom doesn't give enough time to her husband, or she doesn't give enough time to her kids, or she feels condemned because she wishes she had more time for herself. Sometimes condemned by the lack of desire to have more kids, or condemned by others because they think you have too many kids. Condemned by an inability to cook. Condemned because you can't get anywhere on time. Condemned because you are working outside the home, or condemned because you aren't working outside the home. Condemned by being divorced or a single mom. Condemned by your body, which may not be what it once was. Condemned because of feelings of missed opportunities. Condemned by your kids' struggles. Condemned because you're not the one who does all the creative outings like some moms do. Condemned because you've never done a party at Chuck E. Cheese. Or condemned because you've done lots of parties at Chuck E. Cheese. My kids, when they were younger, got invited three in a row within three weeks, and I just about went nuts sitting in there with a whole bunch of moms listening to that music over and over and over again. Young moms that feel condemned because they aren't the room mother. Condemned because you have rebellious children. Condemned because you gave your toddler lunch from Schnitzel. <laughs> condemned because you don't go to the gym. Condemned because you use paper plates for dinner. Condemned because you don't get into the word each morning. And every mom here and all the rest of us could all make a list. That would go on and on and on about ways um, they can feel condemned by the message of the world. But the Lord and his word have good news for us. So stand with me. We're going to read this very familiar verses together um, from Romans 8, 1 and 2. Let's read it together. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Let's do that again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Lord, I pray you would, um, this very familiar message, 
that is so quickly forgotten and drowned out by a whole lot of other voices. I pray in, in a fresh way um, you would burn it into our hearts again. In Jesus' name, amen. So familiar verse, familiar uh, truth. I'll be brief, but I think um, the reminder of some of the most basic wonders of the gospel are the ones that we often forget. And I think that they are those most basic wonders of the gospel are often the ones that the world and Satan wants to drive from us the quickest. And um, people are shipwrecked in it. So on this Mother's Day, um, God gives you a great gift. There's three things here. Number one, it's a gift that you get to open today. The gift that you get to open today, it says, there is therefore now, 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 now. The word is now. The, it's a present tense. We have this gift today. The verse is all about the wonders of what we have, and it's for us today. Um, we don't have to wait till some other day. Um, usually when I think about the, the, the fullness of what God does for us, I know God's going to do that, but I always think of it as being someday when I've died and hit heaven, I'm really going to finally experience what God promised. And the truth is here, he says, there's therefore now, now, as the word is key now, is right here and right now. That it, it's not just for the, the by and by. It's not just for um, when I've got things together enough in my life that I get to experience it. But for every believer when they come to Christ, the message is for at that moment and for all time. It's not just an idea somewhere. It's not just for someday in heaven. It's not temporary and that we get it and then it goes away like a box of seized candy, if you get that. Um, they go quickly. Um, it's for all time and it's for now. The great truth of the gift that God gives in this passage is that we, we measure up today. And all that he promised for us is for today. And it doesn't make any difference what we're thinking or what we're feeling. It's for us now. Um, my daughter's graduating um, a, week from, a week from Thursday. My middle daughter's graduating from high school a week from Thursday. So we had, got her a little graduation gift. She knows she's getting a gift of some sort. And she says, so are we doing like a dinner or something? And we're just doing go dinner at home. And um, she so she's wondering when dinner is going to be. Is it going to be Friday, like the day after? Because graduation day is kind of goofy. And I said, no, we're, we're going to do it, I think, the day before because it's a quieter day. It'll be nicer. And she said, really? Do I get my gift then? And I said, yeah, you get your gift Wednesday. And it was like, a, she was like ecstatic that she was getting this gift, which she doesn't even know what it is, a day early. And it's like, what's with that? You know, it's just a day. But we like getting gifts, don't we? We want to open them as soon as we can. And um, it's, it's kind of a surprise when we get to open it up early. And the great surprise of the gospel is the gift that he gives to us was ours the moment we expressed faith in him. It was all ours, opened up, ready to go, implanted in us. It's for that moment. And yet the truth is, and I think, like I said, I think it's um, true for all of us, but I think it particularly gets pressed on women and on, on moms that there's this something you don't get. It's going to be for some day. And for now, it's just hard. And um, a lot, there's a lot of different messages that come through. But the gift is for us today. It's like getting the unexpected gift early. Romans chapters 1 through 7, um, if we were going through that book, you discover it lays out the entire gospel, all the things that God has done on our behalf and the, the sin that's, that's come upon our lives, the work that Christ did to rescue us from it, the way he um, imputes it to us and gives us his righteousness and rescues us. Um, 
it lays out this whole foundation of the wonder of what the gospel is. And then Romans 8 comes along and basically says, all that is ours today. And that's the first great truth. It's for ours um, today. All the work has been done to get the gift ready, and we've already gotten to open it. Second of all, the gift is given, and it's guaranteed by Jesus. The gift is given to us, and the gift is guaranteed by Jesus himself. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Everyone who is in Christ Jesus is the key phrase there. doesn't depend on what we do. doesn't depend on what we don't do. It doesn't depend on what we think. It doesn't depend on what we feel. But the gift that we get is to all those who are in um, Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? Um, that's the key thing. I always thought to be in Christ Jesus means I'm walking rightly with him. So when I'm doing the right thing, I'm in Christ Jesus. When I'm not doing the right thing, I'm, and I don't think it ever said as out of Christ Jesus, but there was this thought about I'm kind of on the edge or somewhere, or I'm not where I'm supposed to be, which has some truth to it, but it has nothing to do with being in Christ Jesus. The truth is, when we come to Christ by faith, he draws us into himself. We become part of his. We're always in Christ Jesus. So when I'm doing the right thing, or even when I'm doing the wrong thing, in terms of who I am, all that I am, I'm always in Christ Jesus because that's the wonder of the gospel that he's done in us. It's not dependent on what I'm thinking um, or feeling or what other people are saying. The, the, the gift rests on the finished work that Jesus did for us. When he was on the cross, he died for our sins, and he said it's finished and it was done. Our getting of the gift and our experiencing of it rests on his finished work, not my finished work. It rests upon his work and life, not on my work and life. And everything that he did for us becomes ours, um, as though we did it ourselves as well. If you go down to verse 3 of, of, of Romans chapter 8, um, it says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. The key word is God has done it. God has already done it. And everything that the law presses to do to, to live up the standard when he destroyed it as he died and fulfilled it all and, and, and took care of that for us and set us free from that, says that God has done it, something I can never do. So if I'm trying to somehow earn this gift that he's given or measure up to have this gift, then it goes up and down because I do good and I do bad and it goes all over the place. But it's not dependent on that. The gift we get is dependent on what God did for us, which is already done and which has already been given and is already imparted to us. Um, as the foundation, Jesus, he makes us his, and we become part of his family line. Let me read from, uh, these are familiar verses, 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, um, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> See what love the Father has given to us, and we'll look at this at the very end tonight as well. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called Children of God, and so we are. And the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are now God's children. We are now God's children. So being in does not mean when we're doing good. Being in Christ is a place that he has placed you in and me in already because we're his children. He created us and made us his children, and therefore we're placed into his family. Again, in does not mean we're doing good or getting it right or measuring up. Being in Christ is a place that he has placed us 
already once and for all by the work of Christ. As such, it's never taken away because it's dependent on his work, not my work. It's a gift that we have all the time, and it's guaranteed by him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 says that we are hidden with Christ in God. That's what being in Christ is. It's like when we came to him in faith, he took a hold of us, and he hid us within himself. Um, because it wasn't me at all. And as such, that's, I get to be there all the time. And, and no matter what goes on in my life, what I think, what I feel, what I do, what I don't do, that is where I get to dwell, being in him. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, The eternal God is a dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. The picture is of God himself and his presence being a place where his people dwell. And we don't come and then go and then come and then go. But the great gift of the gospel is that we get drawn in and we stay there because he holds us there in that place. And no matter what we may do within that space in our life, we are still there in him. So the gift that is given is given and guaranteed by Jesus. The the great lie of the world um, and Satan that wants to perpetrate upon us is that whenever things aren't in order, um, whenever something's not looking right, whenever my own heart's not right or my own mind's not right, I'm not doing something or not measuring up or or failing to do something or doing something I should do and don't do or whatever it is, the great lie is that God becomes then displeased and puts me aside for a while and then brings me back in puts me aside. So every time I get put aside, I feel condemned. I feel condemned. And people point it out. All the things I can't do started coming up to my mind in our hearts. And I don't measure up. I don't measure up. And the great news of the gospel is that there's a gift, and it's for now, and it's a gift that rests on him. It's never rested on me. So it's always guaranteed by him. Thirdly, last thing here, what is the gift? Well, it tells us here. The gift is that there's no condemnation. There's gift is freedom from condemnation. So what does it mean that there's no condemnation? What does it mean? Well, first of all, what does it mean to be condemned? To be condemned, scriptures tell us, and Romans is all, has it all over the place, is that we are found wanting and judged for it. We're found wanting, not measuring up, and we are judged for it. We're underneath the, the condemnation of sin. And there's a penalty for it. Scriptures say the wages of sin is death. And so there's, there's condemnation because of our sin, and that is, that is how we come into the world. We're under condemnation. John chapter 3 tells us that, that we, we don't know him. We're underneath his condemnation. And condemnation is separation, and it's loss, and it's a, a sentence brought against us. And all the accusing fingers all point, and guess what? They're all right because we're underneath condemnation. And the great truth of the gospel is because of what Jesus did for us, that the gift is one of no condemnation. Jesus, by dying on the cross, bore the full condemnation of sin, and as such, he's able to take it and and pay that price so the condemnation does not rest on us anymore. And so we get to come to him by faith. That's the great news of salvation. By faith as condemned people, and the condemnation is lifted and cast aside because Jesus bore it for us already. And so Paul comes along here and says, Therefore, in light of all the gospel that Romans talks about, there's no condemnation anymore. And that doesn't mean like there's a little bit of it, or um, if we mess up too much and then it comes back again, the condemnation is removed. And so the one who gets to condemn, which is God himself, no longer condemns, ever. It's completely been removed as it was placed on Jesus. Amazingly enough, it means that nothing can be brought against us 
because the full penalty has been covered. But I think it means even more than that. It's not just that the penalty is removed and the condemnation has been put aside. Um, when I look at it that way, that, and that's true, but there's a part of me that also thinks, well, then that's, you know, I'm still, um, I'm not sure what the word for it is. The condemnation is removed from us. But I think it's also that nothing can be brought against us because the penalty is removed, but also because we've been made righteous and holy. So not only does the Jesus dies for us and we receive it, the condemnation gets removed from me. I'm not left there as still a person who never measures up, never doesn't do anything right, and will always be displeasing to God, but God's going to overlook it from now on. That's not, the, that's not the great news. The great news is it gets removed, and then he steps in and he transforms us and makes us righteous and holy in Christ. We get clothed, it says, with the righteousness of Christ. We all know people that, are, that will overlook all the bad things about us, um, and so we don't feel condemned by them because they overlook it, but we're, we still just, you know, it's like I'm still a stupid person. You just have chosen to overlook it for a while, and God does not view us that way. Um, there's a part of me that thinks, well, God just kind of says, well, Chris, you're just as displeasing as ever, but because I'm a loving God, I'm just going to overlook it and love you and just overlook it. But it's, the gospel is bigger than that because um, in that sense, I still feel condemned a little bit because I still don't, I'm never going to measure up. The, the wonder of the gospel is that condemnation gets removed because of his work, and then in its place, he actually transforms us and gives us the righteousness and holiness of God. We're actually made into something that we weren't before. And that's the truth. That's who we become as his children. We become a new creation. Romans, back to Romans again, chapter 8, verse 10, says, If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If Christ is in you, the spirit, our spirit becomes life, filled with his righteousness. The great news is that... Um, Even when we struggle to believe it, scriptures tell us that we're righteous, that we're loved, that we're accepted, that we're beloved, that we're embraced, that we're affirmed, and that we're an heir as well. Actually, the scriptures in 1 John say that sometimes even our own heart still condemns us, doesn't it? It says, if our hearts condemn us, it says God is greater than our hearts. Um, and so the great truth is that I've been made something new, but even in that, the world's voice gets pretty loud, and I start listening to it, and I feel condemned by what I see and what I hear. My own heart sometimes still, because the way it thinks, will condemn me. And the great news of Scripture is God is greater than our hearts, it says, and he doesn't bring the condemnation against us because he's made us into something else. Cameron and I were talking this week, and Cameron said to me, it was, I like this phrase, it talks about the condemnation never frees us to serve. Um, sometimes we do it by compulsion because we have to, or duty, or we're forced to. Um, I can see it with my own kids. If I, if I say something condemning because they haven't done something, and they'll buckle down, they'll do it. But you can just see it on their face. It's, there's, it's, they're doing it because they've got to do it. But there's no life in, in freedom and love in that. And yet when we become heirs, we become as children where we're actually fully accepted and redeemed and totally free for, with him 
that there will be nothing brought against us. Then there's we're released with joyfulness to be able to do things because it's just part of who we are and gets received by him. Being an heir, being a child, turns us loose um, to live for him. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 15, it says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as his children, as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are now children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's the message we get from him. It's not condemnation, but one of sonship and daughtership and life in him as he receives us into himself. So the gift, which is no condemnation um, ever. No matter what the world says in all, all the ways, and isn't it true, don't we feel condemned a lot by things? Um, our, our failures to measure up there are pointed out all the time. And sometimes people point them out directly. And sometimes we've just read something, we've watched something. Someone even said, even people will say something positive about somebody else. And we, we, we feel condemned because we didn't, we're not like that. And, and it, it wells up in our heart and we wonder about that. The great news is that there's no condemnation. And the experience of that is today for us now. And it's not dependent on anything we do, but it's dependent and rested only on the work of Jesus. So for the moms, um, for all the rest of us, um, and I can absolutely say for me as well, um, when your heart condemns you, guess what? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When the world around you condemns you, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. When people condemn you, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. John, if you bring that last verse up again. See how great a love the Father has bestowed, poured out, rested upon us, greater than we thought it was, because it calls us children of God. And he doesn't say, I don't just say that and slap it on there, but that is what you are. That's what he's saying. That is what you are at the deepest place of who you are. That's the wonder of what I've done, as he says to us. The great news is that God is alive his spirit is alive. He dwells in us in order to bring life to other people. Go ahead and close your eyes for a minute. Cameron, you guys can make your way up here if you want. But let's, let's close your eyes for a moment. The verse says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit who is in you, the Spirit of life, he has set you free in Christ Jesus. Lord, uh, we would uh, come before you in quietness for a moment. And I don't know um, the things for each person here tonight um, that bombard them and but I know that um, those messages are not measuring up and just not quite being there. And the great news of your word, Lord, is that condemnation does not come from you ever anymore to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we want to give you thanks for it. Lord, burn the truth of that into our minds and hearts so deeply. 
that those uh, lies that bombard against us would uh, just fall away. And in so doing, you might free up, especially moms, as we remember that today, but for all of us, that it frees us up to truly live as your children and carry out the unique work that you call each of us to. Even as we sing, Lord, I pray that the messages of your words would uh, lift you up, and I pray that they would minister to our hearts as well. Thank you for the bread and the cup behind me. A reminder that the work has been done and is finished and is complete, and it never rests on us. It always rests upon you, and you are faithful. We give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen.